And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. To talk all things financial from Envision Financial, it's Luke Smith. Good afternoon. How you doing, man? All right? Look, I'm still upright and that's all anyone can ask for. <laughs> In the current environment, we'll take each week as it comes, eh? Exactly. It's it's one of those things where I'm getting a little bit paranoid. Every time I get a tickle or a slight cough, I start to think, don't tell me, have I got it? <laughs> that's been a running joke at my house, given... <laughs> The tone of my voice and the fact that I've been, you know, having a bit of a cough. I think it's... it's well, what it's, are you doing in here? Come on. <laughs> go home. Sharing it with you. Sharing no. It with you. No, no, we're good. We're all right. We're, well, we can only hope. That's it. Uh, we're here to talk about money matters and in particular today we're talking about something called reversionary pensions. Yep. And uh, you've told me that it's uh, sort of like the opposite of the topic we were discussing last week when we were talking about a, uh, a nominated person for when you pass away. Yep. Uh, this is, uh, in, a, in a way, related, but it's a different system. Yes, look, correct. So last week we talked about the benefits of someone having a binding death nomination, and that's where, obviously, you make a nomination to a specific person that cannot be challenged by the trustee of your super fund. Okay. And so when you pass away, that money is then paid out to that nominated person. Correct. And that's all done and dusted. And, Correct. of course, that's important because your will does not cover your superannuation. Glad you were listening. See, I remembered. Glad you were listening. <laughs> um, that's exactly right. So this, this today we're talking about a reversionary pension where a nomination is made when an, a pension is started to say that in the event of my death, what you generally find is the pension is passed to a spouse or a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is... In, in a real-life example, you retire from the workforce and on the 1st of July you say to your super fund, I'd like to start a pension, thanks, because I want to take some money out of my super. And you make a nomination to say that it will be reversionary on your death, which would mean that the income stream or the pension that you're taking will continue on to your spouse or your child. So the major difference there, of course, is that uh, with uh, the uh, the binding nomination for death, that was uh, that was where the money actually comes out of the super and is Spot paid on. as a big lump sum. Correct. That's exactly right. And this is really, really important because what the government has done systematically over the last few years is made it harder and harder for people to actually get money into superannuation. So a lot of the listeners out there would understand that you can make a deductible contribution up to $25,000 that includes your employer payments. And you can also make what's called a non-concessional contribution, which is money that you have in your hot little hand that you want to put into superannuation, where you do not claim a tax deduction. And that threshold is $100,000 a year or $300,000 in one go that brings forward three years of payments. Now, if we take into account the fact that a lot of people generate a significant proportion of their total wealth through their working life in superannuation... The reversionary pension becomes extremely important when we're considering what could happen in the future. Because if I was to predecease my wife, I'd like the money to stay inside the superannuation environment for the obvious uh, tax concessions that that structure provides, which is why everybody saves into it over their working life. And once you start a pension from your superannuation, the income stream that comes out of it is tax-free. The other big benefit is any earnings inside the pension structure are tax-free as well. So it's a very, very cost-effective and, and lucrative system. Hence, it's, it's the portal for most people's retirement assets um, over their working life. So having a reversionary pension is a very good way of keeping the money that you've accumulated inside that concessional environment and having the clarity of, of transfer should I predecease a loved one. 
Okay. Now, we're saying that in most cases it's a spouse, but yeah. uh, it can also be a dependent child. Mm-hmm. What happens when the child is adult and is no longer dependent? Can that person still be the, uh, the beneficiary of this particular arrangement? Very, very good question. So... Under the rules, a child can be a beneficiary um, up to the age of 18 or up to the age of 25 where they're financially dependent. So you may have kids living at home that are studying or something of that nature. At the age of 25, unless they have a disability, the money must be cashed out. Okay, so you can have a pension revert to a child. However, at 25, you find that it has to be cashed out of the superannuation environment. But where you have a pension that is reversionary to a spouse, it would stay inside the superannuation environment and continue on. And that's one of the big advantages of the reversionary nature of an income stream is that in a time of great uncertainty and and, and, and great grief, you've got continuity in relation to your cash flow. You've got continuity in relation to the access to two assets going forward. So that's a, a big plus in relation to a reversionary pension. And just back to the children once again, as you said, up to the age of 25, generally speaking, yep. uh, depending on the circumstances, but you said unless they have a permanent disability. So yeah. in, in that case, if you're unfortunate enough that you have a disabled child, it's a yep. permanent disability, yep. this arrangement can then go on Correct. for the remainder of their life? Correct, that's yep. right. Or until the money runs out, there, yep. there's no obligation to withdraw the money from that structure, provided you meet those very specific conditions set by the ATO. So obviously there are some clear benefits and advantages to making this arrangement, aren't there? Yeah, there are. Look, it's, it's, it's really, as I say, the, the big one for us is the, the certainty of what's going to happen. Um, we touched last week, obviously, from a binding death nomination. You can choose what happens and it leaves the super world. Um, with a reversionary pension, it's about keeping the money in that tax-effective structure and not having to change or impact any of the underlying assets. That's another big advantage of this sort of Um, reversionary pension structure is that whatever is invested in that pension will remain invested and will continue to provide growth and income depending on the risk profile of the person that's passed. However, everything will continue in relation to what's held. So there's no need to change assets. There's no need to worry about reallocating funds. And there's no need to worry about it impacting the assets of the person receiving the benefit. So they can have their own super fund, they can have accumulation assets, they can have pension assets, and all of that can continue as normal and you just continue to receive the income stream from the person that's passed. Okay, so when uh, the time comes and I'm shuffling off my mortal coil, mm-hmm. is there anything more that needs to be done or does this process happen automatically? Because well, you've already made the nomination yeah. previously, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. So to, obviously people need to check with their respective superannuation providers as to what would happen. But generally speaking, because that nomination is made at the commencement of the pension, it's an agreement with the trustee of the super fund to say, hey, this is what I want to happen at a point in the future. And it's generally an automated process from the superannuation provider or pension payer at the time. Uh, For those in a self-managed superannuation fund, very, very similar. The ongoing income stream is paid out. Obviously, the trustees would need to acknowledge what has happened and the auditor and the accountant of the super fund would take care of that on behalf of the trustees. But again, simple, clear, concise. um, And as I said earlier, at a time where there's a huge amount of disruption, Uh, there's something that has some wonderful continuity. All right. So if I'm the recipient of one of these things, Mm -hmm. um, uh, do I need to do anything or is there anything I need to be aware of? So there's nothing you need to do in relation to how it's facilitated. Obviously, that would be taken care of by the, the pension provider. What you would need to be mindful of, depending on the size of your total superannuation balance, 
is the impact in relation to the transfer balance cap. And the transfer balance cap is a threshold that was set by the government, which is $1.6 million. And that is the most amount of money that you can have in superannuation and take a tax-free income stream through your pension. So if I already had $1.6 million in my superannuation account and I was the beneficiary or I was the reversionary pensioner of my wife's account that had a further million dollars in it, I would be over that threshold. Now, the government has set the rules here to say that you have 12 months to decide how you're going to treat that problem um, so that you don't have to go and make decisions under duress or in mm. a short period of time. Yeah. You've got 12 months before the pension that you would receive is recorded against your personal transfer balance cap. So that might be that you cash out part of yours and leave the one you receive in pension phase. It could be a range of different strategic considerations to ensure that you have the greatest flexibility possible, but it is something that you will need to do on that front where you've yeah. gone over the transfer balance cap. And the other thing that people, especially in the ACT, need to remember is that CSS, PSS, DFRDB and MSBS defined benefit pensions the value of those count towards your transfer balance cap. So when you're thinking about your total superannuation balance, you need to remember not just the value of your personal super fund, but also the recorded value of a defined benefit income stream that you may already be in receipt of or receive from the person that has passed in addition to the reversionary pension from their super. It sounds a little bit complicated, but at least you've got 12 months to sort Correct. it all out. Yeah. So great, great piece of legislation that, to give people that, that control and flexibility. Indeed. Now, going back a couple of minutes, you said something about until the money runs out, and we've got Annette on the phone who has a question about that exact point. Hello, Annette. Oh, good afternoon. Um, my husband passed away, uh, and he was in the old fund, and I was in the new fund, the PSS and the CSS, and I keep on forgetting which one had what. Mm -hmm. But he had to take, uh, it was conditional that he take a bit of a lump sum, mm -hmm. which he did. And mind you, we didn't have a million dollars in this fund. I don't know where you get those figures from. But he, he passed away, and I got... I now get a pension of 61% of what he used to get. Mm -hmm. um, but are you saying is until that runs out? No. So, so point of distinction here. CSS, PSS, DFRDB and MSBS are completely different income structures. So they play by a completely different set of rules. What I'm talking about is an income stream that's taken from accumulated superannuation the example you're giving is a completely separate pension structure that has a completely separate set of rules because the reversionary nature of the defined benefit schemes is completely different. No, so it won't run out because I... Like, no, I'm, because that's right. I you have, have a defined I benefit income stream and you'll be paid that money until you draw your last breath and then that income yes. stream will cease. So we're talking today yeah. about drawing an income stream from accumulated superannuation, which is a completely different structure... So you don't have to worry. What we're talking about today has no impact or bearing on the income stream that you receive. Okay, because I had to explain to my daughter, she, and because she said, "Well, maybe if you, when you pass away, will I get the the leftover money if there is any?" Uh, I said, "No, not unless you're completely dependent, which mm. you're not." Correct. <laughs> That's right. So your your situations. A little bit different because you're talking about a defined benefit scheme and today we're talking about an income stream from accumulated super that is not provided by one of the government super funds. 
Mm. Does uh, that help? I know the fund I was in, which was the second fund, mm. uh, um, I, I could have a choice of taking a, a, some of it lump sum, some of it pension, yep. as my husband's fund when he retired yep. in, I think it was 2014, he had to take some of it as a lump sum. Mm. Yeah, that's right, exactly. So you, slightly separate example today but uh, you'll be you'll be okay because you'll be paid that for the rest of your natural life so you don't have to worry about today's example okay. all good thanks very oh, much for good. the call in it you have a wonderful afternoon thank you thank you bye now there we go and uh, we're talking about as you say two different things here because uh, obviously when people hear the phrase money running out alarm bells do start to ring yeah so for everybody that's listening if you've got a css pss dfrdb or msbs pension this does not apply to you today <laughs> <laughs> probably important that we clarify yes that. <laughs> let's let's knock that one on the head right away okay now very quickly uh there, there's some other considerations that we need to uh, keep in mind uh when uh when we're dealing with this particular arrangement mm. um you've already said that the nomination is made at the start of the income stream yep uh, what's the impact for centrelink assessments well again depending on when the pension was started you may have a deductible amount you may not and a deductible amount was the purchase price of the income stream divided by the individual's life expectancy so where it's reversionary those benefits would pass forward to the person uh, receiving the pension. You don't see a lot of those because deductible amounts were removed a number of years ago. So it'll depend on the age of the, the income stream. But obviously you need to then report what's been received to Centrelink if it hasn't been already. But generally a reversionary pension would have been reported at the time it was commenced where Centrelink was involved. Um, and obviously the transfer balance cap that we spoke about. Just think about your broader total superannuation position because you may need to do something and, and get some specific advice because that can be a rather a rather curly one to address depending on what you've got in the in the super bin. So, Luke, how can people make the most of a reversionary pension? Yeah, so I think the first thing you can do is obviously um, understand what your objective is right at the start. The election needs to be made when the income stream is commenced. So, again, start with why and with the end in mind. If your objective is to pass assets and keep money in superannuation, we spoke before the ad break about the impact of transfer balance cap and also the, the tax benefits of receiving an income stream. And obviously, where there's a separation in age and somebody's over the age of 60 and the person receiving that benefit is under the age of 60, there can be some very generous tax considerations for the person who is the reversionary income receiver. Um, so keep that in mind. Obviously, we spoke last week about a binding death nomination. Make sure that you don't go and put a binding death nomination on a reversionary pension. Right. Because you're going to open up a Pandora's box of legal issues Right. if the person to receive the benefits is different. Right. Because the reversionary pension is an agreement with the provider of the pension of a specific outcome. And if you then go and put a binding nomination forgetting that it's reversionary, you've now confused and muddied the waters significantly. So again, think about your estate planning objectives. Think about the structure of how your benefits want to be passed. Um, another big consideration strategically is consider the transfer balance cap and what you can keep in superannuation. We touched on before the ad break that it's very difficult now to get large sums of money into superannuation in a short period of time. So as part of your broader strategy, making non-concessional contributions into super in conjunction with a reversionary pension can be a good way to pass assets and manage the tax efficiency of the investments that you hold. So have a think about that. Obviously, from a certainty and a continuity standpoint, a reversionary pension is very good because, as I said earlier, 
in times of huge turmoil, the last thing you want to do is then have to go through the administration nature of how the person that's passed had their superannuation structured. If you can just continue to receive an income stream and remove the list of horrible things that you need to try and address over a terrible period, I find that this gives a lot of clarity. Um, think about the children. Obviously, if you are going to nominate a child, think about the implications when they get to age 25 and have a backup plan for that. Um, what else can people think about? Another big advantage is um, that the assets don't need to change. So if we have a binding nomination, it gets paid out. Assets need to be sold in most instances to pay the money right. out of super. If you'd like to keep those assets inside superannuation and maintain the underlying portfolio... A reversionary pension is another good way to ensure that things aren't sold and the reversionary pensioner can make the most of any positive or negative movement in the market and obviously maintain shares that may have had a, a significant emotional connection to the person that's passed as well. So there are a few things that people can think about in relation to the way to do it, but I think it needs to be addressed holistically, taking into account people's broader financial position and what their long-term objectives are. Indeed. So it sounds like we've pretty well covered it pretty comprehensively. What have I forgotten to ask you? Uh, I think that's pretty. I think we've. I think we've put a bow around this one. I think if, if you're unsure about what happens when you die over the last two weeks, then go to the YouTube channel, pause the show, and watch it over and over. But I think we've we've put a bow around this and provided some clarity. Obviously, if people are unsure, six two six zero four seven four nine, come in and have a chat because, as we saw with a caller, there can be some interpretation issues yeah. um, and some context around does it or does it not apply to me. So I'd much rather people have an understanding of that than, than guess or assume because assumptions never uh, worked out well for anybody. In, indeed. So that number is 62604749 if you have any more questions or if you need more information, you've got all sorts of options for people. That's right. So you come in, have a chat, sit down. We've obviously got uh, the, the Strategy Stacker podcast that's on iTunes and Spotify. We've got the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra. So we've got the, the show there and we've got the key takeouts of, of, this, of both before and after the ad. So you can stop it, pause it, write down some things and go and investigate your position. Um, and obviously, we, um, we've got the website, www.envisionfinancial.com.au, where you can go to the Knowledge Centre. You can subscribe to that for free, and there's a library of technical information, and I can pretty much guarantee that this will be in there because it's extremely topical and something that at some point we're all going to need to worry about. And indeed, and just before we go, I forgot to ask you about your budget program. Yes, that's right. So um, we've still got a couple of spots left for the budget program starting in October. So if you want to get a handle on that perennial question that I get that faced with, can I retire and what do I need? I think the starting point is work out where your money's going, have an understanding of what it costs to live, and then we can structure something around the cash flow and, and, and the expenses that you incur now because that question, I find, is, is one that people can't answer. So get onto the program there in October. That'll run for six months. We'll have a check-in at three months and we'll have a health check at six months where we'll look at your broader situation and point you in the right direction as well. So Thanks very much. We'll catch you again next week. Beautiful. See you next Luke week. Luke Smith from Vision Financial on 2CC.